0: Welcome to Our Social Impact, brought to you by the Prison Scholar Fund. The Prison Scholar Fund's mission is to provide education and employment assistance to help currently and formerly incarcerated people succeed and thrive in society while avoiding homelessness and the revolving door of reincarceration. The PSF also advocates for reform in correctional education to increase opportunity for all. As a nonprofit, we rely on investments, volunteers, and are always looking for board members to champion our mission. Please connect with us through our website at prisonscholars.org, where you can find volunteer opportunities, make a contribution, and learn about becoming a board member. You can also email us at info at prisonscholars.org and find us through most social media platforms at Prison Scholars. Become a patron by supporting us directly at Patreon with at Prison Scholars. We appreciate your review of this podcast through whatever platform you listen through. Without further ado, here's Dirk Van Belsen, founder and CEO of the Prison Scholar Fund. Cool.
1: So we're filming from a really exciting place today, the Watergate Hotel. Yes. Less than 50 feet away is where G. Gordon Liddy and Howard Hunt changed history.
2: Historical place.
1: Historical place. So there's actually a thing called the Scandal Room, and we might do a tour of that later. Yeah. In the meantime, welcome to the show, Marcus Bullock.
2: Thank you so much, Dirk, for having me. I'm super pumped to be able to be here.
1: And you have an amazing thing called Flick Shop. Yes. And before we get into that, you know, we kind of bumped into each other years ago. I think it was first in the New Profit John Legend Unlocked Futures cohort. Yes, sir. And also through Just Leadership USA. Yes, sir. But you had an interesting path to all of those. So tell me about what you're doing now and how you got there.
2: Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, it's been an, an incredible journey, like not only just launching Flick Shop, but Trying to figure out how to navigate through those muddy waters of entrepreneurship, learning how to navigate through jumping over the hurdles of the knowledge gap that I just, you know, apparently just have. I mean, my last grade completed was the ninth grade trying to figure out how to connect customers back to a product they've never heard of before. Um, building a solution for a community of people that typically um, are kind of sort of forgotten about a boxed out of opportunity when innovation comes around, like all of those challenges. Um, were things that I I hadn't thought about when we first launched FlickShop, and I wish that I had. But um, I'm glad, probably glad that I didn't, because if I had, I probably would have never launched the app. Um, It's been a tough journey along the the way, but uh, today I'm finally grateful to say that um, it's going well.
1: I think going well is kind of an understatement, because you went through the Techstars Accelerator program. You're talking about hockey sticks and and billions of users. So so how did that conversation go from like this crazy idea in prison, hey, I'm going to do this, wackadoo idea yeah and then you actually have traction with tech
2: investors yeah 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 <laughs> so interestingly enough right like, when we first started Flickshop, like we i never i never dreamt that it would turn into what it has become where you know i have an opportunity to not only like build an incredible company and lead up a team that wants to be able to be impactful in the world but also like i mean my advocacy work is pretty cool um i get the opportunity to be able to work on policy stuff um i don't know where the where the 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 turning point was for the company. Um, It really was like a collection of failures that continued to mount up that eventually became a mountain that looked like success. Um, And I think that that's the most interesting part about the journey was that uh, we were able to figure out how to flip a lot of those very, very, very consistent failures into one big success story. And I think that's interesting.
1: Oh, so it's funny because like, you and I are talking about Flick Shop because we both know what it is. Yeah. But all the people listening probably don't. So yeah, yeah. Let's, do, let's do a little quick introduction of what Flick Shop is and where that idea came from. Yeah, yeah.
2: So we built the technology that helps keep family members connected to their incarcerated loved ones. Uh, we knew that uh, there was a predatory marketplace out there that was preying on the families and centered around the phone systems and other um, communication methods that are like perm- that have permeated themselves around the prison systems in the united states uh but they are all very 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 expensive and with the majority of the people in prison not being able to afford those services the family members begin to break apart and so we wanted to be able to build a technology that filled that gap that was affordable for family members to communicate with their loved ones that were incarcerated but also uh, that was easy for them to do uh so We created a mobile app, which is the first version of FlickShop. It's a mobile application that allows our users to take a picture, add some quick text, press send. And for 99 cents, we print that picture and text on a real tangible postcard. And we ship it to any person in any prison, any jail, juvenile detention center, ICE detention center, um, anywhere in the country.
1: So I don't know if I ever told you this, but the reason I love your your program so much or your, your business, I guess, is because when I was incarcerated for 15 years, I had a dad and a brother. And my dad traveled a lot and my brother was in the Coast Guard when well, the Marines and in the Coast Guard. So he traveled all the time. So every week, I got a different postcard from Tangiers, Morocco, awesome. the Isle of Man, uh, wow. Japan. So over time, I had to ship boxes of postcards home. Wow. Every, every wall in my cell had, po- had, had postcards. Post- all them. Post- 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 yes, yeah, first it started small, of course. And then over time, it's like, <laughs> yeah. you just walk in your cell and boom. And it's funny because a lot of A lot of people have a misconception like they don't want to share the outside world with prisoners like you're going to hurt their feelings man i love that keep my keep my mind out there
2: absolutely no question
1: so that's just beautiful i mean i
2: think that's most people who haven't been to prison like once you've been there you know you got you like i get it all the time like why would i send someone a postcard first of all and then it's like okay well why would i want to send a postcard about like my vacation like no one wants to see that if you're in prison you know, yeah we I'm like, do what are you talking about
1: take a picture of a steak <laughs>
2: <laughs> take a picture of a steak take a picture of the beach take a picture of the sand take a picture of the soda that you drink take yeah. a picture of the hotel that you were staying in take a picture of the hotel room Everything. include me in the entire yeah. vacation just
1: like all that stupid shit put on Instagram send it to go. me
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: And the cost isn't so bad. It's reasonable.
2: It's 99 cents. And we yeah. wanted to be able to make sure that it stayed affordable um, for our families. Eventually we'll get to a point where we hope and pray that the families won't have to pay anything for our services. And we're, thinking, we're actively thinking about how to, uh, to cut the cost so that families have to pay nothing. Um, but right now, it's still affordable. It's yeah. a buck. And you can share every moment just like you would on Instagram.
1: So it's funny. A couple of minutes ago you talked about a mountain of failures. So tell me about your favorite failure.
2: My favorite failure? Okay. Uh, I don't have to search my brain too far. So <laughs> my, yeah, I, I got a ton of them, right? Like it's a million of them. I have, I could probably think of five this week. Um, my favorite one though is probably uh, CMC, Correctional Media Corporation. Um, Correctional Media Corporation was this business that I wanted to start uh, maybe about uh, two years, Not probably not even, maybe a year, year and a half coming out of prison um i wanted to start a media. i wanted to start a media company that bring mp3 players to prison and uh at the time it was only cassette tapes um that you could have inside of prison some most facilities either had either just just cassette tapes or radios fm radio so kind of like the j- player like kind of like a, exactly kind of yeah. like a, what, it, what you were experiencing like one of those j um the j player or whatever so those yeah. are called but we knew that we wanted to start this thing, and so there was nothing out there like that in the market at the time. Um, and so I started this company, CMC Correctional Media Corporation, and we were going to figure out a way to. Because it, it was right at the iPod, after right the iPod drop, right? Like, it was like iPod 3 had just come out. Oh, this um, is quite, quite a ways back. Then. This is yeah. quite a ways back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mp3 was still becoming was still big they were still like we were all still listening to music yeah. on cd players so
1: you're probably ahead of the j players we were well yeah. ahead of the j yeah.
2: players in fact funny story is that um what ended up happening was i wanted to start this this company um media corporation i started the company i didn't know what i was in for right like I, but i am so that entrepreneur well i'll jump out the window first on a 20-story building See and build my parachute on the way down yeah and hopefully i don't go splat no I've gone splat a lot of times, <laughs> but um, this one here, uh, I, I, I couldn't find, I needed to find someone that, could, I'm not the, a, a technical founder, right? Yeah. So I, I knew I had the innovative drive to be able to build it um, and build the kind of company that we can bring into fruition, and so I started to pitch the idea to people who knew how to build these kinds of technologies, and we landed on one development team that was uh, working out of the University of Porto and uh in in portugal
1: interesting
2: and so how do you uh, find them all the way over here in america interesting yeah yeah i'm googling man like i'm a googler. Yeah, yeah yeah i'm a googler i learned everything on google and youtube (laughs)
1: me too (laughs) i literally
2: i built all of my businesses and all of my like uh, google and youtube yeah and so um you know i found this one team and you know i pinged them and i'm you know we were going back and forth a little bit and talking a little bit about the product and what it is that we wanted to build and they're like hey do you have some drawings and I had, you know, some prototype drawings that I, you know, that literally pen and paper drawings of some stuff that I wanted to have. And I typed out some technical specifications on how I thought that this MP3 player should work. It should be clear. It should, you know, be able to download music and not talk about the megabytes that it has, but just talk about the sound. I mean, the amount of songs that it can fit inside of a, a player, I, instead of it talking about um, the content that the the durability and the ruggedness of the 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 tech not the hardware we talked about the security of the hardware and what it meant to have a clear um player and how it was going to eliminate and reduce or reduce uh violence inside of the facilities and what that meant for them and we had this huge thing and so the 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 team over at university of porto they're like hey marcus you were on it we love it we love this and in fact I was so micro that in, when I talk about when I dig down and go granular, like I'm a product guy. I think about what the product, I can see the product all the way at the end well before I build it. Um, that's how my brain works. I think about the use case. I build a profile in my head like John Smith is going to be using this product. And this is what it's going to look like in his hand. He's typically going to use it in his left hand versus his right hand. So this is where we have to put the buttons to ensure that he, the ergonomics of the device. Like I'm that, so that guy. Yeah. And so uh, I, I was able to give this very, very, long description to um, uh, the team over the University of Porto and they're like all right great like we can build this thing like dude you I was given I was so granular like I talked about the polymers that I wanted them to use when building the plastic for the unit. You
1: just handed over on a silver platter. All, all this All you gotta
2: do is build. It, yeah. Right? And so like alright great let's build it. And so I'm like alright awesome. I'm gonna come over there and we're gonna build it together. So I flew over to Portugal. Um, I spent a, uh, I spent some time over in Portugal for a bit uh it was interesting because I couldn't eat the food. I had no idea how to, like, you know, us over here in America, you know, the arrogance that I had when I walked off the plane. I'm thinking that everyone spoke English. I'm like, why do you not speak English? How, <laughs> what do you mean you work at a hotel and you don't speak English, right? Like, the audacity of you, yeah. right? Like, so arrogant. Um, and so... Um, I couldn't eat the food. Like, I'm like trying to order stuff. It's like broken Spanish. I'm trying to use my broken Spanish <laughs> to you know order the food or have but you. can say banyo. <laughs> it was li- literally baño was like the only thing that I felt confident. They were, like they were just pointing and naps, yes. Bro. Um, and so uh, you know we're touring the the university. We're meeting this teams with the the graphics and design labs, and then the um the hardware teams, and then talking about the logistical planning teams and uh, manufacturing teams, and we have all of this stuff that was really really going on. And so at the end of it. Um, I fly back to, I fly back here to the States. I'm, I'm, in my, I'm in my office. I can't wait for the proposal to come through. I'm ready to pull the trigger on it. Like already didn't matter what the proposal said. I was ready to pull the trigger. Um, and then I get the proposal from the team and they're like, Hey, we can build this thing in order to be able to get it to prototype. Um, it's going to be 1.3 million Euro changed everything. I'm like, Oh, so I got $250 in my account. I don't know how we can get from 250 to 1.3 million Euro. Um, in fact, I don't even know how to do a currency conversion of euro to USD, right? Like, so you know, I'm, that was an instant time in my life, and that's a lot of math, <laughs> right? It, it, uh, and over time, it was like it, that project fizzled, and then I went to go like do something else with some manufacturers here at stateside in like Philadelphia, I think it was, where we met some folks, and they wanted to build the project, and we continue to build out like this long game plan, and business plan, and strategy, and then we never ended up building the the the, the playable. The interesting thing that happened along the journey is that while we were there. I went to go sell the product um to dlc and blp um and they were like you know we can't we'll never be able to put an mp3 player in our facilities like this is just the most least secure thing that we could put in service inside our facilities so we, this will never happen um marcus get out and i'm like oh man like let's think about if we would build a secure device what if we did this
1: what if yeah
2: two years later jpeg jpeg player
1: so how'd that happen? Like, how, like, did they have a different conversation at some level, or is it like the old boy network? Or you know,
2: I think it's the good old boy network. I mean, I'm being honest, right? Like, you know, let's keep it one hundred. Keep one hundred on your show. Right? Yeah. I, I, this is. It was the good old boy S- somebody network. Somebody knew they, somebody. Some. They sent an email. They said, "Hey, and we had the. They had the resources to be able to build to prototype that to out. build product exactly. We could prototype it and test it.
1: Yeah, cause You already know right now that R and D is a cost. So somebody had to have a couple million cost. bucks to this prototype
2: exactly that was that 1.3 million euro was just to give me one device that i can put in my hand before it went to mass production yeah. All right? like so they in order for them to not only be able to do the same thing but also be able to create the network and produce it and then scale it across the the, the country um there was some there were some things that play there that we didn't have
1: it's funny because like on the jp3 players i had those and they were so crappy like the first iterations they would break every freaking week the software would melt down and so they were kind of they probably cheap and sleazy cheap and sleazy the r&d on it so they came out with like a minimum sorry. minimum viable product it worked we bought it and then over time i think it got better yeah but yeah they uh, they got up up and running yeah it's it's going
2: to be interesting to see how things play out for us now that we have grown into this new company and we'll be able to kind of sort of test product out and, 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 and well, not only with our, just with the departments, but with the family as well. Yeah, so that's what now, you,
1: now you're not trying to bring hardware in, you just kind of bring in a postcard. Exactly. So that's yeah. a whole lot easier. Yeah.
2: But it's one of my failures. I mean, we, like we, like I spent a ton of money, like you can only, like just the just the, just the traveling costs to on. you know, to, to Portugal, right? Like it, it was at a time when I had a minimum wage job, right? And I it literally... I would invest, I literally invested like my entire check just in a flight. And you're all in 100%. Oh, I'm all in. Yeah, Yeah, I'm all in. And I invested my next entire check just on a hotel. Building that parachute on the way down. (laughs) Building a parachute on the way down. Yeah. Um,
1: Oh, let's back it up again. Like, how long were you in prison? What for, if you're comfortable talking about it? And in what years?
2: So I got locked up in 1996. Um, I was 15 years old. It was about a a week week or two after my 15th birthday. Juvenile offender. Yep. Um, They certified me as an adult. Okay. Um, are you over. <laughs> so I up, um, and uh, I ended up getting sentenced to 23 years to life um, my, for a carjacking um, uh, that my friend, and I, um, my friend and I committed that carjacking. I'm not going to talk about that in a second, but um, we got sentenced to 23 years of life for the carjacking. Um, my judge suspended 15 of those years and left me with eight years to serve. I was in Virginia where you have to serve um, at least 85% of your time. Um, and so I came home after eight years. Wow! For in in two thousand and four, yeah, we walked to a we walked up to a man who was sleeping in his car in a mall parking lot. One of the worst decisions I made. Uh, we tapped on the, the the window with a gun, uh, asked for his keys. Uh, well, we had a gun, so I guess we demanded his keys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you can it, ask if you have a gun. Yeah, 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 right. If you don't have to
1: de- have a gun, you have it, to demand. Yeah, you got to
2: demand, you got <laughs> um, We jumped in the car, uh, he got out of the car, we jumped in the car, and we sped off, um, left him standing there in the mall parking lot, and then the, um, the next day we were arrested, uh, and I sat in front of that judge as they sentenced me to, to that time in prison.
1: And do you have a criminal history before this? No. So, like, really, a first-time offender... 23 years or eight yeah that's oh well, that's uh that's how we do it in America
2: yeah man it's, it was tough it, you know and even at that time like I honestly didn't even understand what was happening to me right like I, I
1: you're a 15 year old kid I, I remember when I was 15 bro 15 really seriously <laughs> and
2: like,
1: now now they usually it's like you always get a free pass if you're juvenile you can do something stupid yeah. you're a long ways from 18 at that point
2: yeah a few years away from 18 in fact when I first went to jail um, I was so young that I couldn't buy certain items off of canteen, off commissary. Like, they were restricting like, yo, you're too young to buy that. I'm like, and, and it was an issue. So I'm like, like are you got it? like, tobacco, yeah. yeah. And, like, it, and it was interesting because, <laughs> so you can give me eight years in here, yeah. right? Certified. Yeah. I'm certified as an adult.
1: Like
2: a man. Yeah. I am 100% a man in here now, right? Yeah. Like, I'm like 15 years old, 16 years old. My sales partner has Life Plus 43. But you can't right? watch an r movie on TV. But I can't <laughs> watch an R-rated movie, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, in a movie room such an interesting time you know so i did i came home in 2004 um i start you know i wanted to start a couple of these kind of businesses i didn't know what i wanted to do you know i I, I knew that there was something um inside of this space that i wanted to be able to, to to build something and it wasn't because like i was so like really drawn in i had to do something for people in prison but Dude, I went to prison as a 15 year old kid, so I didn't know anything else but prison. Like yeah. when I began to build my business acumen, it was centered around my experiences in prison, and so the, the the product line and service lines that I wanted to be able to build were centered around that only because that's what I knew. So we knew we wanted to solve a problem, we didn't know what it was, and so we started off with things like you know CMC, and then eventually um, I got a job. You know, I got this job. I had this. I'm sorry. So I started because I started CMC while I was working at the paint store. But I got the job at the paint store. Um, where I was mixing paint. I was that guy who mixed that blue paint for you. Uh, and uh, customers will come in. They would ask me, like, Marcus, how much do you charge to paint a kitchen? And I'm like, well, you know, dirt, we don't paint kitchens. I'm going to sell you this blue paint so you can paint your own kitchen, dirt. Yeah. And um, eventually, you know, the, the the painters will come into the paint store. They would also, like, hey, Marcus, like, it's tough out here you know the market is changing the industry is going south the real estate boom is starting to burst even though it was in the mid 2000s when we were like the onset of the real estate boom starting to like that bubble was starting to burst uh and the fear was was imminent and so we wanted to try to figure out how to connect that bridge between uh, the Dirks of the world who wanted his kitchen painted, and then the painters of the world who wanted consistent work. Uh, we created a painting, a small painting firm where we began to paint those kitchens and paint houses, and um, eventually we grew it until into a full construction firm uh, where we were able to uh, have larger clients. Like we started painting airports and colleges and universities, and that became a, a thing. Where now I'm able to hire people and. Families were now changed because of the income that we were able to produce, uh, the revenue we were able to generate, and, and I'm I'm I felt so immensely blessed. And, and, and interestingly enough, like that's again I'm starting CMC right, so I'm traveling the world. You know, I have this construction company, I have this construction, I have this painting business. Now I'm having this construction company that's starting to 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 to, to, to blossom, and I'm traveling. Uh, you know, I I met a girl. You know, she became my fiance, who later became my wife. You know, now the children of my, you know, I mean the mother of my two children. And, like, my friends, they wanted to see all of that journey, right? They wanted to see each one of those moments from from the time that I landed in Spain to the the, the one vacation in Bahamas to the the wedding photos to the first picture of the kid. They wanted them. And I would promise them that I would send them pictures, but I never did. So
1: when you say your friends, you're talking about your friends that you left behind because you got out of prison.
2: All of those guys who I left behind, yeah. All your old brothers. They were my brothers. Yeah, for sure. Yeah,
1: because you're kind of cutting your teeth. Like a lot of times they say, you know, that the brain doesn't mature until age 25. Yeah. So a lot of your formative years were there.
2: I went through puberty in prison. Yeah. It's crazy, right? Like, like, like that. Like that's how, that's how micro it was. In in these, so these men, as I'm learning how to adjust from learning trying to figure out how not to just bounce off the walls i mean i'm a teenager you know that's I mean? I like the energy level you know alone you <laughs> a know 15 I mean? year old kid oh my goodness right like and i'm locked inside of the small cell with another person and i'm yeah. like How's w- how does that work how does it you know what i mean i'm like yeah i just want to just move you yeah. know i just want to just do stuff and them you know learning how to calm me down and um helping me to you know navigate through the anger and the emotions that i was feeling that i couldn't understand why i didn't understand I never understood what depression was, right? Anxiety and fear and apprehension, all of those emotions um, that obviously, you know, as an adult, I understand and can describe in in pure detail, but at the time, like, I didn't even know what they were. There was no one to teach me what emotion was um, because I grew up in an environment where it was like you had to almost kind of sort of either be emotionless or um, figure out your small corner where you can emote. And I'm like, I don't even know how to do any of this. Um, So these men... They were in those formidable years where they, you know, not only helped guide me through these, through, these, through those tumultuous times, but they were also there to remind me that I was on an adult maximum security prison and that the majority of people there had 50, 60, 70, 80 years and that I only had, only, right? Yeah. I only had eight years to do. And they're like, yo, bro, real talk, like, you're going to go home one day. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to, ho- you, you walking around with this anger and depression. Like, I understand the depression. I understand that, you know, but you wanted to fight somebody over a store box honey bun. Um, your your listeners probably got to yeah, know about, about the store about the, It's it. not about the honey bun. It, it's not, it's, it's not about the honey yeah. bun, right? But, <laughs> but, but at the time, you know, they're like, dude, like, it's still a honey bun. And at, if, imagine what you're going to tell your mom when that person pushes back on that honey bun and you have to accelerate it even higher. Yeah. And then now you potentially run your time up. And now you got to do an additional 10 years yeah. that became as a result of a honey bun.
1: Yeah, she gets serious real fast. <laughs> Very fast. Yeah. Very fast. There's no referee. No, exactly. <laughs> no question. No question. <laughs> but that honey bun is pretty important at that time. A honey bun
2: is everything. Yeah. Right? It's everything. It and could be a
1: 20 cent soup. Same thing. It, it doesn't matter. It didn't
2: matter. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and they, they were the ones who helped me navigate through what that looked like. And, and now, like, fast forward to several years later when I'm home and I'm like eating honey buns whenever I want to, I'm forced to have to remember those days where I had friends that was like, Marcus, no, you can't, like, let that one go. Or I tell you what, push them off, let them pay you two honey buns back next week, you know, yeah. we go to the commissary, and we'll figure out, like...
1: Keep your respect, you know. Come on. Yeah. yeah. So did you have the idea for Flick Shop during your time, or was like, did you form any of these business plans on the inside?
2: No, so I didn't even know what I wanted to do on the inside, in fact... Um, I just wrote business plans and I like I would write a business plan about anything and I would uh, I would even challenge people in the prison to give me ideas so that I could try to write a business plan on and not because I just wanted to write a plan on that idea, but more because I wanted to be able to have the practice in um, developing plans and thinking about how business works and how mechanics works and how to articulate business. Um, needs and services.
1: And how do you write a business plan? Do you have any training? Or do you like get business books from the library? How, how do you figure this out? That's a good question. So
2: my my mom, she was very instrumental, you know, in that time. So when I was going through that very very hard time of like depression, and you know, I became as just as violent as the people that were around me inside of those cells. Um, my mom, she was she had some intentionality baked inside of of her and her planning of how we, I want to return back to the community, and she wanted to be able to make sure that I knew that there was life after prison. I was operating as if I didn't understand that there was life after prison. Like, I thought that the prison was it. That was it. I'm going to die there. This is going to be what it is. Like, I saw other people die in prison. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, it's only a matter of time with, before this happens to me.
1: Yeah, when you're, eight, when you're 15, eight years seems like forever. Anyways. Dude, eight
2: years was inconceivable.
1: Yeah. Because you've really only been alive five years, you know.
2: Dude, <laughs> exactly. No I, question.
1: Like, if you're 15, I think from 10 to 15 really counts as your conscious years
2: seriously (laughs) because everything after that i I mean i I don't even think i had an original thought but i mean that that not only is like eight years inconceivable but right like this is the the mid mid 90s like i got locked up in 96 um when y2k was starting to approach that was a big deal like we were we were nervous about whether or not we were going to figure out whether or not they want to turn the clocks back. Yeah, what's going to happen? Like, what's going to happen when, you know, we go from 99 to 2000, right? And so, like, I honestly just thought I was going to die in person. I didn't even realize what was happening. But my mom, she was intentional about making sure that I understood that wasn't the case. And so, she sent me a bunch of letters. And, and I mean, she wrote me a bunch of letters, sent me a bunch of pictures. And she also sent me books. And she wanted to ensure, like, or, or if she, well, she didn't send me books. She would have to order the books from a book supplier. And then the book supplier would send me the books. Um. Well, yeah. she would send me the money. You can't different rules. Yeah. Sure. Um. And so I would read these books around business development, business plans, how to pitch a business idea. Um. And that's when I started to experiment with my own ideas.
1: All right. So you got some business books. Mom stepping out. It's, it's really good to have that support.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, the support was everything. There was no way I would have been able to make it, especially at that time. Like my, I, I wasn't mature enough to be able to make it through, and even just like guide myself in a positive direction it, it wasn't so wasn't what,
1: what's mom's so. doing now
2: mom she is the fulfillment manager over at flick shop good for her yeah 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 she runs she runs the office and makes sure that every postcard gets out
1: cool so before we talk about how she's feeling about you now yeah. let's talk about how this whole thing started sure you kind of you get out what what year
2: 2004
1: okay and then you so come on 2004, 2004
2: i finally landed a job um at the paint store in like the the summer of of, of 2004 i came home in February um and i went straight like beating the path right like you know three four job applications a day you know three four interviews a week right like i knew that i was going hard at it um and then finally i landed that job at the paint store um and now like i'm running this painting business fast forward i i quit the job at the paint store as i'm running the painting business the, the, the the company began to grow um and and my boy uh he i met him in prison my boy tony I met him while I was in prison, and he um he was he was like the guy who one of the guys who I trusted, where I leaned on because he was from D.C. I was locked up in Virginia with the majority of people in Virginia. You know they were in from Virginia, um, and it was like you know it's all every prison that I went to was like a a small pot of people who were from D.C. and you know you go to where your tribe is, right? You know they were the people who I could kind of sort of uh. I could talk about the old neighborhood or the old high school or some of the basketball games, and they knew what I was talking about versus the guys who live from Richmond, Virginia, who had no idea what Suitland High School was and how good the basketball team was. So, uh, Tony became one of my closest friends in prison. And when he came home um, in 2005, uh, he started a janitorial firm in Southern Maryland. Um, and my construction company was operating in D.C., we were doing well. I knew we wanted to be able to continue to grow uh we acquired his janitorial firm um he became my vice president over at the construction business uh and that freed me up to be able to launch flick shop oh very cool yeah
1: so how the idea of flick shop
2: Pat? because of my boys when they just wanted the pictures of those just vacations send I was me on. Pictures. yeah they didn't like see me pictures and i and, yeah. and it never happened and, and i will promise them
1: yeah how do you figure out i could send them postcards or just actual pictures I like print an off and it's a pain in the ass and you're like you see a market
2: I, well, what happened was I, I was I, I would promise I was going to send him pictures. Oh, and, I see. Yeah, you I would tell them. I'm like, yo, yeah, I'm gonna t- send them yeah. as soon as I get back. Of course, I'm gonna send. Him. I knew how valuable you. Yeah, we know how valuable mail is in prison. Yeah. right. You know, mail means everything. Mail means everything in prison.
1: Absolutely.
2: And so we, I knew I wanted to. I'm like, yo, I'm going to write you. Real talk. As soon as I get back, I'm going to write you. And then a week went by and I didn't write. And then I'm like, oh man, I'm, a, I'm real talking, i I'm really I'm going to write you. Yeah. And I I'm really gonna, mean I, it. This time I really mean it though. Yeah. And I'm going to and I'm going to print pictures off my phone and I'm going to go to Walmart, and I'm going to go buy some envelopes. It's
1: totally doable, but until you actually have to do it.
2: Until you actually have to do it. yeah. And it never got done. And so I would commonly tell them, I'm like, if I could text you, my life would be so much easier. <laughs> um, and so we looked in the app store, and we wanted to try to figure out a way to, to we wanted to try to find the app that app that was going to allow us to be able to text our friends that was in prison. And what did that technology look like? And when we couldn't find one, uh, we knew we had to build it. And so we built Shop.
1: Very cool. How long did h- How long did it take to build?
2: It's a good question.
1: Now man. it's not a hardware thing. It's just really just software. It,
2: it, it, it initially um, it was software. I mean, we still have um, a, a good at the end of it because it's an actual postcard. You need some yeah. kind of specialized printers. Yeah, um, but initially, like when we first launched, I had a very similar experience to that. Like that. Uh, Is it just coming off the bubbles yet? <laughs> and you're cutting with scissors? Nah, No, 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 We. I, we the, interestingly enough, when we first launched Flickshop. I had a, i had that experience of the um the cmc experience the correctional media corporation experience where it was like we got a price we got a bunch of price tags that was like something crazy and you know, remember this was back in 2011 beginning of 2012 and so apps and third-party apps were brand new like it's interesting that we're only in 2019 and it was only like seven years ago but seven eight years ago like,
1: it's a whole different world back then. Right? A whole
2: different Like, you're completely different. How we leverage our mobile is incredible compared to what we were doing back then. And, in fact, when I when we first started to build Flickshop, I didn't even have an iPhone. We were building for the iPhone. And I didn't even have an iPhone. I had a BlackBerry. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, we knew we wanted to be able to build this technology that connected people using apps. And, and iPhone was one of the first devices that allowed you to be able to have these third-party apps that you can put on the phone. Um, and you could do something magical with them. And so we started to call people, and they were like, you know, hey, it's going to cost you $800,000 to build the app, and it's going to cost you a million bucks to be able to build this thing. And then some people would say, hey, why do you even want to build things for people in the prison anyway? Um, and so as you, as you can imagine, none of them have, will ever touch that technology, um, none of those, any of those people. But eventually we landed on uh, a, u- a user experience designer that was at a firm that was working on some tech uh, that was excited about what it is that we were building. He helped us put together um, our first tech team, um, and we built our MVP.
1: Very cool. Yeah, how long did that take?
2: Uh, so from the time that I, I first called John until our launch, it, not not quite a year. Okay. It was a little less than a year.
1: And how many people were on the tech team?
2: Uh, so we had uh, John, and we had uh, two back-end developers. We had one web developer, and that was it. And then eventually we had um, someone else come in and do more designs for us because we began to build for Android and we wanted to be able to have um, a, a platform that mirrored each other on all of the all of the 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 the, the, the channels that you would be able to leverage Flickshot, whether it be dot the dot com, you know, .com, iOS or Android. And so we had we, we, we brought in some other designers, but um, that was the original team.
1: So like like a lot of founders, you have the idea, you find the talent. Are you paying with equity? How do you get them on board? Good question.
2: So yeah, I paid out of my pocket. It was interestingly enough. I mean, I was blessed. That's actually
1: cheaper for you in the long run if you can pay for. It it was. It was.
2: I mean, I'm so grateful. I mean, I'm so grateful. I was blessed to to be able to have um, a revenue generating. Uh, Too uh, during that time anyway. I had a construction company that allowed me to, pay to be able to invest back into that company, and so then I could just pay hours. Yeah, because um, you
1: could have lost thirty percent of your company. Real fast. I could have lost
2: a, a huge percentage of, of my equity early before yeah. we even had a product.
1: So you had the product still one hundred percent owner.
2: Still one hundred percent owner. Um, and I, then I, I we can opened up. A
1: lot of founders wish they were in your position. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't, <laughs>
2: well, I, 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 well done. I'm not 100 on her now. Okay. Okay. Um, what I ended up doing um, the, right after we started uh, the first part of development, I brought I brought in some of my family members, and I didn't bring it for investment capital. But I brought my family members in because I wanted them to have the opportunity to be able to be a part of uh, one uh, a, a, a breaking of the generational uh, poverty cycle that a lot of people from my neighborhood came from. Uh, and then two, I wanted to give them access to possibility of just learning what it looks like to inve- be an equity investor inside of a company. Um, so I gave each one of those family members a very very small percentage of the company for a small check, just so I could bring them along the journey. They will learn how to invest um, this way, and then potentially they can find the next um, companies that they that that that, mean, that are meaningful to them and their own personal um, lives. Uh, later on, we. So I had the, my own revenue. We had a couple of dollars came in from the family members. And immediately after that, we were just raising out of revenue. We knew okay. we had a product that we had to sell. And we had to sell a whole lot of it in order to be able to keep the company doors open.
1: So do you have any institutional investors? like We X-ray's are. So funding, and then also, what's your exit strategy? Are you just trying to do yes, this forever?
2: So uh, do we have inst- institutional investors? We do. Uh, so we are now a venture-backed company. Uh, our first major investor, institutional investor, was uh, the TechStars Business Accelerator. Nice. Um, that was, oh, was huge it for us. TechStars?
1: Or do they have partners that do it? How? And how does TechStars work for the people that haven't done it?
2: Oh, uh, that's all. That's a good question. So TechStars is a business accelerator. It's, I like to call it the Harvard MBA program on steroids. Um, you have a you have a, a two year program that's condensed down into three months. of very intense work from like six a.m. to nine p.m. at night for three months straight every single solitary day in fact for the first two weeks uh we have this thing in TechStars called mentor madness where you interview and meet with um a minimum of 70 mentors in two weeks how many Seven, zero. Seven zero. 70 wow 70 mentors in two weeks what's that like insane <laughs> like you literally you're in these 20 they're all 20 minute meetings um and you're from 6 a.m is like, your first like meeting it's like speed speeding. Dating. yeah yes mentor speed dating. that's crazy 20 minutes on a mentor call and you get what's you know what they commonly call in tech stars like this mentor whiplash because i'll be on a call with you and you're the cfo of priceline.com because one of the things i will say is tech stars has world-class mentors like we they figure out how to get the best of talent in some of the best corporations around the world and then they ask them to mentor um their cohort members and uh You know we'll have the cfo of priceline and you know meeting them for 20 minutes and we'll talk about like how we think about financials and financial budgeting and how we're building out our financial plan and strategic strategy around that and then we'll hang up the call it's a zoom call right for us it was a zoom call we'll get off that zoom call and get on the next like literally press the end button and press the leave meeting button and then start meeting button at the same time um and now you're on another 20 minute call um with a marketing professional over at you know at marriott and then you know you get that 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 marketing professional will probably say something that may be uh a little contentious with the initial the, the, with the first mentor from Priceline, line right and so then you got the third one and then the fourth one and the fifth one all the way down the line by the end of the day mentally you're exhausted.
1: It's like and how do you even score those and rank those? Like if you're supposed to pick a mentor, how are you doing that? Yeah, so I mean like after the twentieth mentor call, you just you just blur. I know
2: right. I mean, very, very I mean, very they have an incredible strategy in how, you know, we they think about the ways that we should be engaging with our mentors, um, all the way down through all the data point checks um between us and our managing directors to help kind of sort of massage and facilitate the relationships that need to be that need to go deeper. Because I mean out of 70 mentors right like uh, 20 of them may really be able to add a a tremendous amount of value to our company now the other 50 they're still able to add value because they there's one person that may be in charge of product um at at at, um mattel right and they they, while they build toys and it has nothing to do with us as they think about building product at mattel and we think about building product over at flick shop just the process alone may have added value in that 20 minute conversation like hey how do you guys think about um, strategizing for product and product delivery or product launch right and so we have those mental costs but out of those 70 like I said 20 of them would be good ones and then I mean not good ones but ones that are that have alignment with our business and we think that we can go deeper with them um, and then we try to go deeper
1: and then how many do you walk away with just one three, three okay yeah. maybe product operations three tops
2: finance. so they, they suggest Techstar suggests suggest like one or two but three tops and okay. we walked away with three
1: and then, so, when did this happen in relation to, so I bumped in, into you in the Just Leadership. Yeah. No, uh, at, Unlocked Futures Unlocked first. features first, yeah. And that was back in 2017. Yeah. Was Techstars after that?
2: Techstars was immediately after that. So, so right
1: after you got an Unlocked features, and, and, like, maybe you talked about the progression. How did you get yeah. involved in any of these programs?
2: So, um the unlock futures accelerator program came right after like came right before textiles textiles came right after unlock futures in in fact you know i in that one of the things i was excited about telling john um earlier today when we were sitting in the room with john legend this morning um i was excited to talk to him about what it meant for us to have them invest in us and be uh the one that validated our business model and added credibility to the company a lot of legitimacy there oh my yeah. goodness it was great. like it was the, like it was because I think we were five years in by that time and
1: yeah, um, what was your trashing up to that point just
2: uh, we were scrambling we were scrambling and not like for a business but we were trying to figure out how because we just undercapitalized yeah. right so trying how to figure out how to grow a scale how to grow a scaling business without revenue I mean without without investment Yeah. and so they came in they invested in us. It allowed us to be able to test out some new product. Uh, we launched Flickshop Angels. Uh, and then Techstars came in right behind them and said, wait a minute, John's investing in you? Oh, let's talk more. <laughs> yeah, right? different conversation. Yeah, now we have a different conversation. Yeah. And, uh, uh, they invested in us as well. And after that, uh, it, it started to open my eyes. I, I wasn't even exposed to what it was like to raise capital. I didn't I didn't know about venture capital. I didn't understand what that was. Yeah. Um, I thought that the only way that you could succeed in business is if you had revenue. Like, how else would you get money if you don't have sales, right? You know what I mean?
0: Right. I, I never understood that. Yeah. And then
2: later, I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, what? Yeah. How come no one told me about this when I was in high school? I would have My trajectory would have been completely different. Yeah. I would have never used my own money for anything.
1: Yeah. <laughs> OPM, right?
2: OPM, no doubt. Um, but, I mean, it, it, but one of the things it did do, though, on the flip side, I learned so much about my business. Um, it allowed, that bootstrapping forced me to get very, very creative, um and now i'm super grateful one because you know i have a lot more equity than i would have had if i would have took money but uh also uh i i wouldn't know the things that i know the tools that the the things that allow me to be able to really succeed i would have gotten no things if i would have if i would have got a check day one
1: so then how did it go from like when you do find investors that want to invest and they all want like some kind of exit what does your exit look like are you are you talking public or you yeah talking? i mean so we yeah i can talk about it or So some, do, i mean do you are you talking like going public or are you talking are you hoping somebody's gonna buy Flickshop?
2: shop i don't know i mean we're i'm laser focused on sending as you know sending as many pieces of love and support into the sales as i possibly can um of course you know it allows us to be able to generate um more revenue so that we can hire more people and bring on teams that allow us to be able to do our jobs better that that's where i spend a lot of my time do i think about the exit or what it may potentially look like for flick shop? i do i mean i you know there are some potential acquirers out there that uh, we've earmarked it like hey maybe interested in this kind of technology going forward and maybe we'll push this thing to as far as we can go with it and they say hey you know Marcus do you want a 200 employee business you know we managing a 500 million dollar a year budget or do you want to sell it to us 400 million dollars a day and we do that and maybe you can teach us how best to be able to do it on your side without a lot of the headache um, that comes along with being a founder uh,
1: and that's actually a really good point because a lot of a lot of people that are good at starting companies aren't good at managing the companies. Yeah. So where, where's your sweet spot?
2: I'm the vision guy.
1: Yeah, because you don't want to run a company and manage. Do you want to manage a company? No. Oh, I didn't think so.
2: No, I don't even like I don't. I mean, I do it because I have to now, yeah. right? But I'm super pumped about hiring somebody that can do it better than me.
1: Yeah. So speaking about the company, how many people are working for you right now?
2: So we have um, four people that are working for us uh, internally, and then we have 12 offshore developers in Pakistan.
1: Okay. And do they actually print the cards?
2: No, my mom prints the cards. So oh. we had this um, inside of. Back to mom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mom's uh, a fulfillment manager. So. Zero. Um, when we first launched, Xerox came and built this huge, monstrous printer. Um, you know, probably about 15 feet long. Wow. Um, huge printers, and we run postcards through these things, and then just like in the movies, you just spin out. Postcards. Yeah, we're just spinning out postcards. I mean, if you think about what a, what a, if, if you have a visual in your head, think about it, like a newspaper print press.
1: Does it put the stickers on there and the stamps and everything?
2: We have we have different machines for each okay. each stage of the the printing process.
1: So what's going through mom's head, like? Mom's rode with you through this prison sentence, yeah. and all of a sudden, holy shit, we got a 15-foot printer in the, yeah. in the, in the living room? Yeah, yeah, How yeah. It
2: it's interesting because you know, mom, she really just wanted me to be successful. She's like, look, whatever it's going to take for success. Is
1: it success yet?
2: To my mom, is success. Yeah.
1: You got a Tesla. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> First time I rode in one. I love
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, thank you, thank you. I mean, to my mom, it's success, right? My mom enjoys... Uh, knowing that her son is building a company that is impactful around the world. Uh, But it really could have been selling peanut butter. That would have looked like success. The thing of it for her was that I'm doing something that I enjoy and that I'm being impactful. And I can actually even still honestly call it ministry. We want to be able to also figure out how to be able to bring the impact on the social side as well into the into the sales and so it's a big part of ministry for us and so she enjoys it um she likes you know every now and again she can peek at those postcards that are being printed and she'll see a sonogram picture right or oh, yeah. uh, that 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 first day of school picture and like as you can imagine like like over the next couple of weeks oh my goodness the halloween costume pictures that are going to stop flying you know the the bundles of cuteness overload <laughs> that comes through these postcards is incredible
1: Yeah. Wonderful.
2: Yeah. My mom loves it, and I'm I'm very grateful for.
1: So we kind of skimmed the surface of unlocked features. How did you find that program in the first place? And same thing for uh, Just Leadership USA. Yeah. Are you just out there hustling, and you just run into them, or?
2: Bro, I'm I'm hustling, man. Like I'm, I'm. I keep it moving you know I, you're I,
1: you just applying to every program you see
2: well not every program i see but what i do do is i try to figure out how to build relationships with the programs that i think that i'm making um you know they're maximizing the amount of impact they can do within their organizational structure and i think the non-new profit did a good job with that they figured out a way to collaborate with john legend and free america bank of america and they were bringing in these collaborators that wanted to see Systemic changes inside of the, the re entry process and it's centered around entrepreneurship. And so it was a clear fit for me and the mission of the company and the, well, how we want to be able to employ people and how we think about entrepreneurship. The funny thing of it is is that John and I introduced Unlocked Futures in New York well before the application process started.
1: Oh, really? I love how you're about John Legend as John. I know, right? Like, <laughs> me and John. Such a yeah,
2: I know, right? Like, okay. like, you know, we're best friends, like guess. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I imagine he has a lot of best friends. I know. right? I'm, <laughs> I'm sure he has a lot of best friends. I
1: start calling John now, too. <laughs> <laughs> he's, in
2: the, he's, a, he's a part of the, homie. he's yeah. the, up of the homies now. Um,
1: so how do you meet him in New York? I mean, not everyone bumps into John. Yeah. Right like, right so
2: we I had done another event for someone else that was connected to uh, New Profit. And uh, John was a he was a Flickshop user. Um, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He used Flickshot for one of his family members. I didn't even know it.
1: Yeah, freaking John Legend is using your product. I didn't even know it. How about
2: that? I didn't even know it. You know what I mean? Like, feedback. And like, I, and when, when we did the first call, I'm like, holy crap. Is this really John Legend? Like, seriously? And you <laughs> use see, Flickshot? See like, a song. I, I know, uh-huh. right? Seriously. And so, um, they're like, hey, you know, we want you to come to New York. And we want to, we want to this this new program that, you know, we're launching is brand by this organization uh called uh that i'm funding called free america we just you know we just launched that um and it's being managed by uh a, a, a think tank and um a social entrepreneurship uh uh investment fund called new, new profit it's like oh tell me more I'm there. I mean, you're inviting me. I'm 100 there. But tell me more. How what is it, how this work? And then when I when I learned about what it is that they want to accomplish, I'm like, oh man, this is incredible. Like I'm all the way in. Even if I'm not going to be a part of one of the cohort members, um, I'm all the way in. And so, um, the uh, John flew me up to New York. Uh, we went to this really like super swanky private restaurant. Like walk through the back door. Like like they have some mob ties to it or something somewhere. Um, and then the, when we pulled the curtain back it was like a bunch of cameras and a bunch of people like quietly like going sitting around just waiting for me to come in like hey marcus we want you to talk about your experience in prison and the technology that you're building called flick shop i'm wow. like oh this is pretty cool and so uh john you know he talked a little bit about the reason why he was making this investment inside of this organization um with free america and then he said you know i want to i want to you i want to spend this and talk I wanted to talk to Marcus a little bit and kind of sort of just interview him and talk about the technology he he built. And so he introduced me. I talked a little bit about my my experience. He talked a little bit about the program that they wanted to be able to build with this new cohort um, called Unlock Futures. And I immediately like, you know what? I have to apply for this. This is going to be awesome. It's going to be incredible. Um, And it's backed by, you know, America's sweetheart, John Legend, right? So how can we think about Leveraging what it is that they already want to accomplish, what we have done so far, and build a scalable business. That's very cool. Yeah.
1: It's funny because, like, the real value there is like the the legitimacy, the video, the takeaway. I even remember the time, I think you and I were in a similar boat because when we were for that $50,000 check yeah we really needed that
2: bro we would have went out of business if we didn't have a fifty thousand dollar check yeah we need to keep the lights on i seriously like i like i want people to hear that that is important like we honestly there have been times where we were going to go out of business like at least 20 times by now i mean way more than 20 times way more than 20 times but there were pivotal times where we were like we were getting ready to go out of business we had you know we went through that um you know we went through that process we were learning how to navigate through those waters and um it was at that stage we were like like business we were going to get literally getting ready to go to business and not because like business was failing and there were tons of different reasons why we were getting ready to go to business at different stages one of those times was business was way too successful and it was interesting because we were sending too many postcards the preceding week i mean the 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 next the next week where the preceding week, we if we sent fifteen hundred Flickshot postcards one week in the week prior, we sent thousand. We only had to capture the revenue for the thousand. We had you got a cash flow problem. We had a cash flow problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so like, the, like it, it can't continue to continue to spend. And when I didn't have enough revenue that was being generated out of a construction company to fuel this growth, we knew we had to raise cash. And then in in walks John Legend into a room saying, "I'm going to give you fifty thousand bucks, save the day."
1: Nice. I think that's when we connected, too, because, like, we were pretty tough, tough shape, too. Yeah. We had to pay rent. We got to keep the lights on, pay internet.
2: Seriously. Pay the phone. I got to eat. Yeah. I gotta eat. right. You know what I mean? Like, seriously, like, there are things that had to have been paid for in our organizations. And I mean, and, and I think one of the things I loved about the Unlock Futures cohort was that we were able to be honest and transparent with one another in, like, throw the dirt on the table and talk about like no I'm in the same boat too like I'm don't think that just because you see me in the newspaper I'm a gazillion and I've already got to figure it figured out right like no I have no idea what I'm doing <laughs> it's all going to pieces but I feel like if we can make this next turn we will learn something and we will be sustainable enough to be able to get to the next milestone being around people that gave me that kind of vibe and that energy was incredible so I'm so grateful for you all
1: so, kind of make the comparison between that program and Just Leadership USA. Yeah, how did you find that program, and what was your takeaway?
2: Just Leadership USA came about. They 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 had sent me an invitation. Um, oh, they invited was, you. Yeah, they invited me. It was a couple of people, you know, oh, okay. that was a part of the cohort that uh, previous cohort that were like, hey, you know, you should really think about this open enrollment. I'm like, eh, I don't know, I don't know how I will be able to add value to the cohort and vice versa. And I just, cause I don't even know what it is. And At, so after as, going
1: through that mentoring program where you're like screening mentors, exactly, your head's already there.
2: I am like, like I had just come out of these kinds of sort of, you know, so my brain was already in that space and you know, we did it like every day, like not just but every single day for months on end. And it was very, very intense. And so, um, you know, I'm like, eh, I don't know but uh you know it was a couple people that um i really respect in that that were uh, a part of just the just leadership uh team and i'm like you know maybe it's an opportunity that i should consider yeah Yeah. working's good yeah and i did and and it was it was cool it was great to be able to meet people um if nothing else to be able to meet people in a space that had us you know we were all mission aligned and um, we all had some kind of criminal justice background. I mean, you know, criminal background. And when I when I met people that had, like, this kind of background that I had, and they all were working on freaking incredible things, and they were all, like, leaders in their own spaces, in their own right, it inspired me so much that I'm like, oh, man, this was a great decision.
1: So I know in our earlier sessions with uh, Just Leadership, kind of telling our story was... An integral part of what they're teaching us yeah and how did that really work for you did you already have your story down or did your story improve with them
2: you know i honestly think that you know you can never like storytelling i think is the is, is i feel you know all entrepreneurs you know you're a media company first and then you're wherever else that you do second now i don't care what you do right like if you sell these candies that are sitting on, the t- on this on this office table that you know right here you're a media company first and you should be able to articulate why this mint, is it tastes great and why it's better than a Brock's mint or why, like you should be able to articulate this and, and then figure out ways to be able to build content around this mint, right? And when I learned how the value with what storytelling was, then I, I learned, I understood the importance that uh, JLUSA was placing on learning how to master storytelling. So at that stage, while I think I was a great storyteller, Um, you tuned it up a little bit. I think it allowed me to have the opportunity to get the reps in that will make me better because especially when you're doing public speaking or you're doing storytelling, it really is about the reps.
1: So it's interesting. We actually lost you towards the end of the program. Yeah. So what happened there?
2: So it's an interesting thing to happen. Um, you know, I it's, had, almost, it's almost ironic, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, look, I, I love what Just Leadership is doing. I love um, the mission of the organization. I'm super grateful that they invest in leaders that the way that they do. Um, it wasn't a right fit for me toward the end of the program uh, because I had another obligation uh, that I had to go meet. And Just Leadership has a very strict uh, policy around not attending and you know you have to attend each one of the convenings um i had to leave one of the convenings a little early uh and uh that led to my termination from the group
1: how early was it was on the sunday or when did you actually have to leave
2: so i left on that saturday afternoon. So i came it was on a weekend um i came earlier in that saturday i think i stayed to maybe like around one or two o'clock in the afternoon um i was doing a ted talk go watch my TED Talk. Gotta go grab watch the TED talk.
1: And, and that's the irony here. So they train you for a whole year. Public, yeah. public storytelling is part yeah. of it. Yeah. And then you have to leave to do some public storytelling.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting, right? In a TED Talk, I think I've heard of those. <laughs> <laughs> that's no small thing. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it was a pretty big deal and I was super pumped about it. Um, uh, like, As a good executive, you made a tough choice. It was a tough choice. It really was. and 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 um, I didn't think that it would lead into the decision that, that was made, but um, I mean, I understand that rules have been set and hey, you know, they wanted to follow them, so yeah. we, um, I, you know, I, I had to choose between doing a TED and going to- Yeah, yeah you got to be accountable. Yeah, yeah I we mean- all, We all agreed. Seriously, okay. I, you, I signed, you yeah, know what I mean, and said I would, would, that would that. be willing to do this, everyone, right? And then when the TED folks hit me and said, hey, Marcus, but we need you here- and we have to have you here. Um, it were, was like, hey, either, either, like you can stay. You can, by all means stay with there with your cohort, and we can look for another. We can look for another TED speaker. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> and so we'll I had a decision the, I had to make. Yeah, we'll
1: catch you on the flip side, maybe. <laughs> maybe, yeah, yeah. right?
2: So I had to, you know, I had to risk. Like it was a once in a lifetime opportunity to be able to be a TED speaker, um, one of the largest stages in the world uh, for public speakers, and. Um, so th- this is vision. a TEDx, this is a full TED talk No, this is a full TED talk, no, not a TEDx Congratulations Thank you so much, appreciate you, I, you.
1: Actually, I haven't seen it yet, but I've seen it posted all over social media because you know marketing So, <laughs> so I'll probably catch on the flight home
2: Yeah, okay, cool, cool, you gotta watch it, it's pretty, I think it came out pretty good I would imagine Thank you, thank you so much
1: Cool, oh, and before we go, tell me about how your brothers are still in prison are looking at you now because you're running around the yard, yeah, drinking man. coffee, talking about big ideas. Yeah. But you actually got out here and did it.
2: And now, you know, we're blessed to be able to say we're the ones that connect them all.
1: Look, you know. Is this, like, I am, always like, they have hope, like, they can actually do it too, or what?
2: I'm living in the cloud, dirt. Yeah. Like, not only, and I can go deeper than that, right? Like, not only are my best friends on the rec yards looking at me like, holy crap, Marcus did it. Like, we knew we, he was going to do it. Like, but. but he actually actually did it right you know what I mean and it's like whoa like and now it's a different wave of questions now right so it's no longer questions like you know just the whimsical hey you know how are you doing and how's the weather and how are the kids right it was very intentional conversations that are like they're like look I got 15 minutes with Marcus. Marcus, talk to me about venture capital. Now, you, your last shot that you sent to me, you sent me a picture with you and a VC. Now, is that the same thing as angel investing? Now, as if I wanted to be able to build an, a business for this, the, right? and the conversations have changed. That's me. brilliant. Oh, my goodness. It's the best thing ever, right? To be able to have my friends. You know where his head's at. They use terms like product market fit. <laughs> you know what I mean like you're in a housing unit housing unit talking about product market fit like it's incredible and so um, yeah I, I'm blessed to be able to say it but, but, but even bigger than that though Dirk this is the interesting thing not only are my best friends that are still in those sales that are going to come home and be wildly successful now because they have they've been exposed to what potential success looks like in the without selling drugs or without selling cars or without you know robbing someone like they they can now see it they're like oh this is possible this is not just a made for TV movie yeah. like I know Marcus I know that guy. yeah you know what I mean like he he sat in his cell with me and shared duplex cookies right <laughs> so we know Marcus but also like but my family members my friends my closest friends that never did time in prison the ones who like barely graduated from high school maybe went on to college for like six months and then dropped out and trying to still try to figure out what they want to do but don't quite know they're looking at me like they're looking at themselves like they think that they're failures they're like man i'm a failure i like i can't amount to, i haven't done it i dropped out i missed the opportunity i missed my boat i'm 30 years old and now i don't know what to do and i and then I come around and they know not to say that kind of nonsense to me because I'm like, so are you complaining? Who's a failure? Who's the bigger failure between the two of us, right? Now, let's talk about how I overcame and with the tenacious spirit that you're going to have to have in order to be able to get to where you want to go. Having them walk away from those conversations and feeling like they can be winners or that they are winners. 100% real. Yeah. it's, it's, It's incredible. I'm so grateful. That's so awesome. It's humbling.
1: It's great to meet you. Great to know you.
2: Burr, thank you, Fuck bro. Yeah. Likewise, man. Keep it up. Thank you, bro. Appreciate you.
1: See, see what's next.
2: No doubt. No doubt. Make sure you know you. When I'm out there, you know, when I'm all on the other side of the country, man, I'm going to hit you up, man, so we can hang out. You can show Definitely. me your
1: town. Marcus Bullock, Flick Shop, TED Talk. Thank you. watch on the way home. Yes.
2: Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. All right.